0: is The Talking Dead,
1: a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead.
0: Hello everyone, my name is Chris.
1: And my name is Jason.
0: And this is The Talking Dead number 400, recorded Tuesday, October 23rd,
1: 2018. 400.
0: Yeah, 400 is a pretty big number. Uh we've it's taken us 9 years to get here. Uh, but here we are. Number 400.
1: That's exciting. It's it, it's a it's it's a milestone, Chris. It it is. And
0: and I don't know why. It's just another number really when you think about it, but something about starting the show at number 400 and I'm I feel a little butterflies in the stomach for some reason. I'm a little bit nervous. I don't want to screw it up because it's number 400.
1: You can't screw it up, Chris. I can't. No, not any worse than we've screwed up any other podcast episode in the past. Oh, well, that in, that, in, in that regard, it's just another number. It's another opportunity to have things be perfectly imperfect. Well, that makes me feel better. But as
0: I started talking, when the music was winding down there, I'm like, ooh, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know if I can do this like I always do, but apparently you, I can't. You
1: can do this. Yeah, you right.
0: can do it. Okay, good. I believe in you. Good. Thanks, man. That's That's yeah. wonderful. So number 400, we are here to talk about season nine, episode three. Uh, But before we do that, let's just take a really quick review of the season nine ratings. One of the nice things about recording on Tuesday nights is usually the ratings for the episode are available, which they aren't by uh, Monday night. Right. So really quick, season nine, episode one had 6.08 million season or episode two had 4.95, which was very, very low. Uh, But season three went up a tiny bit with 5.04 so okay good it's trending up again if i
1: like a good rebound
0: if only slightly yeah it's a tiny bit of a rebound makes me happy 5.04 million um we'll have to see as the season goes on but like i said last week i'm pretty sure we're gonna stick in this like five six range for a little while maybe with the mid-season or season premiere up some more um but but we'll see we'll have to see how it goes
1: what, I don't understand how people like if we do get a bit of a spike in the midseason uh, finale, uh, you know, the, people just like watch that episode and go, oh, let's find out what's going on. And just watch the episode It's like, well, that was interesting. I wonder what led up to that. Well, I must admit, I don't really get that either. You know,
0: people might hear that. Oh, it's the midseason finale. I'm going to tune in. But like you didn't tune in for episodes one through seven of the season. Why would you bother watching season eight or
1: episode eight then? Yeah, I can't do that. I uh, not only can I not do that. Usually, when I watch a show, even if I've seen the show before, I'll start at the beginning. Yeah, and I'll watch everything up until that point again. I don't do that with The Walking Dead, but I'll do that with Game of Thrones. I'll do that with Better Call Saul. I'll do. Th- I did that with all kinds of shows because I I, I don't understand how you can just watch like. In the 80s, sure, you could pick up a show, pick up an episode of, uh, or turn on an episode. You don't pick up an episode in the 80s of anything. You turn on an episode of Magnum P.I., you could just watch it, right? Because there's no big overarching story. It's just the self-contained episode. That was the way the shows were structured Mm -hmm. back then. But now, everything's one plot through a season or half a season or... How do, you, how, do you, how do you how do you justify just watching one episode?
0: I mean anything worth watching is is a plot, a continuing ongoing plot. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't really get it myself. I I can understand how um if you if you have a really good episode, say episode 3, that might cause a ratings bump in episode 4 because yeah. people might go into work and stand around the water cooler and go, "Hey, last night's Walking Dead was amazing." You should check it out, which means people will go home, watch it on iTunes or watch it on their PVR uh, or whatever they call them in the States. And then and then watch the next one, too, because it was really good. So you can get, you know, week over week bumps like that. But then people will drop off again and that's not going to happen all the time. But you're right. I mean, just the fact that it's a season finale. I don't understand it. Someone who would not watch the whole season and then tune into the last episode. It probably happens. Because people are weird, but it doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah, meaning there. I mean, your whole uh, your whole point here uh, begs the question, do they still have water coolers? Do you have a water cooler at work? <laughs> no, but I've been in offices that
0: do have water coolers. <laughs> we, oh, d- cool. we don't have one, though. We just have a okay. tap.
1: I'm not even sure I remember the last time I saw an actual water cooler other than on TV. And
0: side note, really quick, I'm afraid to drink the water out of the tap at work because one day we all came in and they had been doing some work on the water system in the building. And when we turned on the tap, it came out orange. And I'm talking like, like orange juice, orange, almost like, like baby poop, orange and not rust orange. Well, baby poop, yellow. Maybe, yeah, maybe a little closer to rust orange, but it was way more orange than I was comfortable with. And even though now it comes out nice and clear, I'm like, this water frightens me. I don't know what's hidden in this water if it was going orange one day.
1: Yeah, now it's just a little bit of orange, so little that you can't see it
0: anymore. Right. And I don't know what the orange was, so I'm afraid of the water at work. So I wouldn't mind having a water cooler, to be honest, to to drink and to talk about TV shows around.
1: You should petition.
0: For work to get a water cooler. I think maybe that's that's a good idea. Okay. Anyways, we'll talk about we'll start the water cooler petition podcast another time. <laughs> what we're Water are... Cooler talk. Docking water coolers. <laughs> there you go. What we're going to do now is get into our recap of season nine, episode three.
1: Chica chica. Warning sign. Warning sign. Warning signs. I really could do with some warning signs.
0: Warning signs, eh?
1: Danger, Will Robinson! Warning signs! Warning signs! Danger! Danger! Warning
0: signs! (laughs) Warning signs! (laughs) Thank you very much to Johnny on the internet, Daniel in Worcester, England, Gareth in Germany, Annie in Sweden... Jennifer in Minneapolis, Dave in Maberley, Ontario, and Jason aka Crackers the Clown.
1: Oh, Crackers, that's a good one.
0: Crackers the Clown. Uh yeah, what was your clown name again? Scramble. Scramble the Clown. I like that. Yeah. Is it appropriate to always add the Clown after it or do you just say the name?
1: I don't it doesn't matter. <laughs> I really don't care. Okay. <laughs> it never either one uh seems natural to me. Scrambles the Clown. Well, scramble, plural. See, scrambles is wrong. Right. Sorry. Scramble the clown. <laughs> that I take offense to.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. Uh, anyways, thank you to all of you for doing those title reads. We got a bunch this week, and they're always fun to hear. So, of course, this episode is called Warning Signs, and I think there really? were n- numerous warning signs in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we go through our recap here, I'm going to try something a little different this week. Jason. No. Well, okay, yes. Don't worry. It's I don't think it'll be too jarring for you, but I'm going to incorporate the holy craps into the recap instead oh, of interesting. instead of grouping them all at the end in a separate segment.
1: Okay, so this seems like you spent more time putting this together. Is this something that uh, you're going to regret in like 50 episodes?
0: Uh no. Um I don't Think so. I hope not. Anyways, um I it, I just it, don't want you to work too hard. No, no, no. I I already work pretty hard. So you do. it's I know. okay. Uh it's okay. I think this actually might make it better. Um but we'll see. I I'm I'm trying new things. I I want to try new things. I hope people are open to going along this new things journey with me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully more than me. I hope so. Yeah. So yeah. let's we'll see how this
0: goes. All right, Jason, to begin our recap of Season 9, Episode 3, Warning Signs, we start with our cold open, and we have a zombie. Go figure. On The Walking Dead, we have a zombie walking over a street sign that turns out is um, a fallen down fence made of street signs.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it makes noise, so my immediate thought was, oh, look, warning signs. <laughs> that's right warning signs street <laughs> warning signs yeah.
0: uh we pan across and we see a bunch of zombies eating someone turns out it is justin our yep. good friend savior justin he's being eaten for a bit and then the zombies get distracted then he gets up as zombie jason or justin Zombie justin, justin. justin. yeah try not to confuse that and shambles away on his own and we can see on the wall of the
1: building behind them, it says, final warning. So they were just, they were, you know, mashing down on uh, on Justin. And then they just kind of got up and left,
0: right? In this case, that's right. I think they got distracted by something and got up and left.
1: Okay. Because, you know, they ate all of Lori, but they didn't eat
0: all of Justin. No, that's true. And there has been some zombie inconsistencies over the years. That's Definitely a thing that's happened. So uh, in this case, I guess zombies will just continue eating until they are distracted by something else. And in this case, they got distracted.
1: That's what I do. (laughs) That's right. It shows. (laughs) I just, you know, continue eating until something else comes along that I need to do. Right. And then you just go back to eating later. Yeah. Then it comes around. It's circular. Good. Cyclical, if you will.
0: So a pretty short cold open there, Um, Justin it's confirmed early on in the episode that he's dead. So we didn't really get no, that was a bit of a cliffhanger from last week. Right. But here he is and he's
1: dead. And you know what I worried about when I saw this cold open? What's that? That we uh, finally had a named zombie just wandering around. Usually when we see somebody turn into, uh, you know, a walking dead type character that they're, (laughs) uh, they're short lived. So, I was worried that we would get some kind of hero zombie. You remember uh, way back at the beginning of this uh, whole podcast thing, we were speculating about what would happen in uh, the, the story, and my one of my biggest fears was that they, they would do something like they did in Lord of the Rings, where they uh, they had a um, an orc that was kind of like a hero orc, yeah, and he was like a boss orc. Yep, uh, I didn't want a boss zombie. And I thought that Justin was going to be a boss zombie. I'm like, oh shit, they're not going to make this guy a, a particular menace. Uh, but that was a short-lived fear. Yeah, and and probably I know.
0: I can see why you might think that because um, a lot of the show has undergone a lot of changes, right, over the years, of course, but but a lot in season nine, I think. So maybe they haven't done boss zombies. In the past, maybe that's something they would start now. But you're right. It didn't happen. He just got up and was important to the story, but in other
1: ways. Yes. Right? And I was sorry. Yeah, okay. We'll just continue on. Sure. Um, So let's,
0: uh, after our opening titles, we get Rick waking up one morning, sitting on his bed, putting on his boots. Michonne is still there, asleep. Uh Rick gets up to leave the room as he's walking out in the hall. Judith makes a noise and he goes to check on her. She coughs that's right she coughs, uh but she's not awake. she seems to be sleeping more or less. Rick goes downstairs he passes a piece of the porch uh that has Carl and Judith's blue handprints on it, which is now hanging on the wall. I thought that was really nice. I really liked that uh I thought it was really nice too. And this is where our first holy crap comes in. Dan in Columbus, Ohio wrote in, holy crap, Carl and Judith's handprints are art in the Grimes house. That was very nice. It was nice. Like it. <laughs> it was. I liked how it was, it wasn't just like ripped off haphazardly. It was this nice sort of triangle chevron shape, if anyone yep. knows what that is. And it looked like it was cleaned up a little bit, sanded maybe, and created, it turned into art, not just a piece of wood stuck on the wall.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, I uh, really, I like that. It makes me want to cut a piece of my deck off and hang it on the wall. I don't know what piece that would be. It would just be a random piece, but it makes me think about doing it.
0: Well, I mean, your deck's not very high off the ground or anything like that, but you could, you could do something. You could do a handprint on it and then make some art out of it. True. Make a butt print on it.
1: Oh yeah, big, (laughs) uh, big moon pie kind sit of sit yourself
0: in some paint and then sit on the deck and uh there you go
1: yeah if I put that on the internet I could probably make some money
0: oh I bet you could uh so Rick goes outside and he walks through his garden he picks the one and only ripe tomato from the crops that they have growing there he takes it somewhere else puts it on the ground near some white stones that are in the shape of a sea I and I assume this is marker for carl's grave
1: oh, i thought it was like some kind of weird crescent thing i didn't realize it was a letter
0: well you know what i didn't really think of that the first time i watched either but when i rewatched, i'm like well what is this it, it must be um a, a grave of some kind and the the stones were in the shape of a c although the angle they were shot at it kind of looked like a u so it was just off angle but i assume it was a c for carl and this was either where he's buried or just a, uh, a marker indicating, you know, he's not with us anymore. So um, the the point of putting a tomato down uh, to me, I think it was probably just, you know, here's here's a here's a ripe, a new ripe tomato full of life, full of goodness. I'm going to give it to you, Carl, because this is what you wanted. You wanted us to create a happy, healthy place full of life.
1: Maybe, or maybe he was just putting it down because he was going to do something else with his hands for a couple of minutes. Then he picked it up and left.
0: Well, you know, we didn't see that. So I'm going with the symbolism of, you know, healthy,
1: fulfilling life. Yeah. Or I'm just going to let this rot on this ground, just like you. (laughs) Sure. You know, I'm not so sure uh, people do that, but
0: maybe, maybe. (laughs) could be. Uh, So we cut back inside. Michonne is now up, awake. They talk about the Charter of, Charter of Laws that she's creating and how she's doing a great job leading Alexandria. Uh they confirm that Judith has a cough and she needs to go to the doctor, but to get her to go to the doctor, they'll have to do a family fun day to convince her, which sounds nice. Does sound nice. And they continue to chat about Maggie and Daryl being angry over things and you know not really being on board with the Rick Grimes plan. So, uh, they're sort of setting up, you know, they're just reinforcing what's going on in the communities, setting up what's to come a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, what's, what's going to come later in this episode. And then Rick continues to suggest that Michonne take a break from all the work she's doing so that they can focus on another way to build for the future.
1: Making babies. And that is making babies. So, they, she says, Really? Like she's excited that they uh they want to have a child together, so uh have at it. Right. And so we see the, the you know, the
0: initial um moments of their attempt to make a baby before we cut away. But yeah, Michonne and Rick are planning on having another child.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so does this mean that uh before Andrew Lincoln leaves the show, Michonne's gonna get pregnant?
0: It could, you know, I mean, when you think about what Andrew Lincoln said in real life uh, back at Comic-Con in the summer, it was something like, you know, my time with this show is far from over or something like that. He could have just been saying Rick Grimes is going to leave his mark,
1: you know, on the
0: show in the form of another child.
1: Or maybe he's going to voice the baby. Like the, uh, the character, <laughs> he's going to play the voice of the uh, the baby. Sure. He can do voice work from London, and that's what he wants, to live in London with his family.
0: He can record it there, and they can use it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> coral.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, but I thought it was I, I, a huge surprise for me, to be honest, to, to see that happening. I, I never thought in a million years, for some reason, they would go with with Rick and Michonne actually intentionally trying to have a kid. And I've always felt, you know, with shows like this or movies and the zombie apocalypse, people who are pregnant are a, and children in general, are a massive liability because
1: of the needs of taking care of them and stuff like that. Um, But they're in a safe place now. Right. Right. It's not like when they had uh, Judith and they were on the run and they had to find formula and keep her quiet. Yeah. Uh, you know they're uh, they feel safe. They feel like they can build a future now. So uh, you know they're they're in a place where a baby can cry at night, and it's not uh, you know a mortal danger.
0: Yeah, no, and I I completely agree with that. And that's what I realized when uh, you know watching this scene. I thought, geez, most of the time in the zombie apocalypse, having a baby around is a terrible idea, and bound to get killed, to be honest. Uh But now. This might actually be the right time because they are trying to build something. They're trying to restart society here and it's going well in some ways and not so well in other ways. But if you want to have a society, you have to reproduce. And so why not? This might be the time to do it. Yep. Well, um, we cut away from that and we go over to Maggie and Cal, who we haven't seen too much of lately, and they're in a horse-drawn wagon on their way to deliver food to the sanctuary and as they're rolling down the road they encounter a group of saviors who come out of the woods and of course there's tension immediately um and the saviors say they are looking for a friend who went missing and then a guy named jed comes over to their wagon and takes out a nice ripe tomato from the back which just amps up the tension in the scene altogether because maggie's not so happy with these people to begin with
1: yeah, that just makes you an asshole when you steal a tomato out of the back of a cart and eat it in front of somebody who's supposed to be delivering said tomato.
0: Right. He, but he's just you know trying to be a big man and and frighten them and
1: stuff like yeah. that. But he's Negan really... would have asked permission, even though he wouldn't have waited for an answer. It's like you don't mind if I take a tomato, do you? And then he would take a bite. And then he would take a bite. Yeah.
0: No, uh, Jed doesn't do that. He just grabs the tomato eats it, which makes everybody else upset. Uh Maggie says she's gonna mark him down for that, as in, you know, you've had your tomato ration already, so you don't get another one. Um but then Laura, the other one of the saviors who is there, kind of diffuses the whole thing by saying, Yeah, go ahead, mark him down for that, for what he took, and everything will be fine. And they go on their way, basically, into the woods on the other side of the road. And then as Maggie and Cal continue on down the road, they see zombie Justin come shambling out of the woods in front of them. Yep. So now they know that Justin is dead and there he is. Uh, And John from Connecticut writes in, holy crap, did the guy next to Maggie look exactly like Glenn? (laughs) No, no, he didn't. Not, not exactly like him. Not at all. Um, but I do think there was some resemblance there. There was a bit of a resemblance. There was, uh, But, you know. Is that racist? I don't know.
1: No, I I don't think so. I mean, he he looked like Glenn a little bit. Probably from one angle. Like, maybe the the first angle they shot him at in uh, in this, uh, with the mustache. Did Glenn have a mustache at one point? I think he did, yeah. He had a a
0: weak little mustache at some point, yeah.
1: So, I think with the mustache and the one angle, I think maybe it did look like Glenn. But, like, from front... Facing right when they uh sure. from the you know point of view of the, the horse's ass uh he he did not look like
0: Glenn, no, no, he didn't, and but but I can see why that sort of jumps out at people. It's like what oh, that's not Glenn, of course, I mean yeah you, you know, I mean you never know, maybe Maggie could be traveling along on this horse and having a vision of her dead husband beside her, but no, it's Cal, yeah. we know Cal, he's been around for a while, um, but he hasn't been a huge part of the show really for a long time right. for. At ever, at any point, really. Uh, all right, so we cut over to Rick, Judith, and Michonne, and they're having their family fun day. It's a bit of a montage.
1: Yeah, they get the, they're having sword fights, and they're having races, and they're picnics, and reading and, stories. Exactly. We see them at the doctor.
0: They're playing hide-and-seek. They're crawling through the house. They're doing all those other things you mentioned, and they finish it off with sitting on the porch reading The Wizard of Oz.
1: They shouldn't do that. Why It's not? not a children's story. Uh, it's not not a children's story. I don't think so. I think it's a little more adult oriented than what the, the movie makes it out to be. There's a lot. The, the book is a lot darker than the than the than the movie. Okay, you know what? To be fair, I've never read the book. I've only seen the movie. Well, I've heard about the book. I'm just I'm pretty anybody who's read uh, the Wizard of Oz, you know, write in and let us know because I'm pretty sure that that is not intended to be a children's story. I think really? it's a, it was kind of made into a a, a lighthearted ish story even though there are scary parts in the wizard of oz uh, for kids i don't know man i've always considered the
0: wizard of oz a children's story it's got really strong inclusive messages and and you know self-empowerment messages and things like that do you can you can be whatever you want to be and it's packaged up nicely for kids sure a house lands on a witch but i think most kids can handle that these days
1: yeah what do I hear a description of the wizard of oz a uh uh, a girl gets swept up in tornado and, uh, uh, ends up in the land of Oz and murders somebody and she teams up with some other friends to murder her again.
0: <laughs> well, you know, when you put it that way, I, maybe it's, <laughs> I think it's miscategorizing the, uh, the story a little bit.
1: Uh, maybe, but you know, she does kill two people in that, uh, in that story.
0: I mean, she lands a house on the first one, not intentionally. Right, she doesn't.
1: Okay, so that's not murder. You're, you're right. That is, uh, you know, if you have, if you happen to be in a house that's in a in a tornado or a, uh, yeah, a tornado, it's a tornado, uh, not yet, and lands on somebody. Didn't, you know she, she wasn't driving the house? No, she was not piloting the house. It was, it she was, was out not blackout drunk driving the house and kill somebody. Right? No, not okay. at all. The uh, second one though was that intentional? She was just trying to put out a fire. Well, what's? The... Did, What's the, the second her, the one? The witch's broom... Okay, so the uh, the scarecrow was on fire. Uh-huh. He, he was deathly afraid of fire because, you know, he's made of straw. And the witch set him on fire and she threw a bucket of water to try and put out the fire. I don't think she knew that witches melt in water. Okay, yeah. I, I don't know.
0: I'm not sure. I don't think... The murdering in Wizard of Oz is a problem. I do remember my kids being a little freaked out by the flying monkeys at the end. They're
1: genuinely scary. Yes. I think the book is darker than the movie. All right. I don't think it's a frigging story for a four-year-old. All right. Fair enough, but... Uh... I wonder if I can get the book on Audible because I'm going to listen to that. I bet you can. If it's available, I'm
0: going to listen to it. Okay, we'll get back to us on that. I'm sure you can. Anyways, they're reading Wizard of Oz and then Scott, another guy we haven't seen in a long time, comes running up and he tells them about finding Justin as a walker and that it doesn't look like an accident. So Rick and Michonne look at each other, very concerned, and we see them holding hands before we go to a commercial break.
1: Yeah, uh... Rick's fist, his hand is very tightly clenched and Michonne unclenches his fist in order to hold his hand. So she's trying to calm him down.
0: Good. Well, she, she should. I mean, Rick's got a lot on his plate and a lot on his mind. So this kind of thing he knows is not going to go over well with pretty much everybody and mostly the saviors because he's, Justin was one of theirs and now he's dead. He's dead. So that's it. Commercial break, and when we come back, we are with a big angry ca- crowd at the bridge camp. Everyone is fighting and arguing and getting each- in each other's faces. Now, just before it turns really violent, Alden kind of breaks it up, but he t- takes a punch in the face from Jed, so that's not really helping. Um, Carol stops, stops Jed, but he protests, and everybody draws their weapons. Um, one of the saviors accuses Anne of killing Justin because she's weird and she's, she was previously an outsider. Uh, another one accuses Daryl. So everyone's just throwing accusations around and people start picking up weapons. A rat tries to stop them. Both groups are advancing on each other when suddenly Rick arrives on horseback and tells everyone to back off. Right. So, cause that's a scary horse. Um, a man on a horse can defuse a, a mob basically
1: uh, police yeah, do it all know, the time and, on horses. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the horse, right? Like just a guy on a horse. If he doesn't really know what he's doing on that horse, uh, mean, obviously Rick knows what he's doing, but I don't know if the horse is trained for combat. Well, no, I don't think that this particular
0: horse is probably not, but. Yeah. But if it was a war horse, I'd be terrified. Sure. Uh, but in this case, he just got in between them and was like, everybody settle down. You know, we don't need to fight. We don't need to hurt each other. And Laura is there. And Alden as well, of course. And, you know, they both sort of say, we don't want to do this. And Alden says, I'm going to talk to Rick and we'll smooth all this over. Right. So though those are the two kind of saviors or former saviors that are keeping their cool
1: a little bit. a rot as well, because she, she tries to stop things. I don't um, think this is the right way to do, it, do this. I don't think it's a matter of you go back and do what I've told you to do and we're going to protect you and we're going to figure all this out. What you need to do is you need to go and include them in your uh, investigation. It's just like no, you and me we're going to figure this out together. Sure, that's a that's a really good point. You can't just say sit here, everything will be fine. We'll take care of it because they don't know what you're really doing. Exactly. Right. No, you need to be inclusive to show that you are actually trying to solve this. And uh, yeah, you need to, you know Everybody needs to work together to do this. You know, the idea here is not to. Just, separate people, but to include them, yeah, Uh, have everybody work together.
0: Yeah. And I I think that's kind of what Alden's saying a little bit. He's like, I'll talk to Rick. See, he's going to be the the representative from the Saviors trying to work with
1: everyone. But the Saviors have already separated them, saying you're already one of them. You're not one of us. So that doesn't really, uh, in my mind, it doesn't really help.
0: No, you're right. It probably doesn't really help a bit. But I mean, can you really involve Jed or one of these other... Other people when they're already so worked up and and you know ready for a fight in
1: a way. I if mean, you get Jed away from the other guys, yeah, it might work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it'll calm him down. I mean, somebody like Jed, he's gonna he feeds off of the other people, right? They just it becomes a uh, a circular a frenzy kind of thing. He gets upset and they get upset and they feed his anger and he feeds their anger Mm -hmm. and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. You get them separated. It's hard. It's so hard to just stay angry by yourself for a long period of time. Right. I mean, it's (laughs) a lot easier when you're around other people that are also angry. Yeah. Right. So separate them, get them, you know, the, the, the best way to diffuse this is to, separate them and include them i could have solved all of our problems well not all of them because our other problem later on it doesn't have anything to do with this sure but you're you're right i mean
0: jed needs to be separated he'll settle down it's how mobs work i mean somebody gets angry somebody else gets angry and then everyone just continues to get more and more angry yeah mob mentality right the hell knows who the hell knows uh but i just wanted to make the point that really it's a rot laura and and alden who are at least attempting in this situation to maintain the peace. And it's not really working until Rick shows up on his horse. That's right. Now he goes to father Gabe and asks if Anne could have had anything to do with Justin's death. And father Gabe lies about staying on watch all night with her. Um, because, you know, turns out he didn't, he left after they had their little encounter.
1: (laughs) Really a horrible priest. Or a preacher, uh, He lies. Yeah, well, no, he has carnal relations while you know while being unmarried. Uh, to be fair, he, he kills said- all his parishioners before he meets anybody here. All right, uh, he, he's 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 a horrible preacher. Horrible. <laughs> it sounds like he's just a
0: horrible person. He killed everybody by locking them out. Man, yep. I mean that's there's, that's sort of not defensible. I don't think. <laughs> um, yeah. But he he lies Somebody about. Somebody staying- should bash him in the head. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he lies about staying on watch with her all night. But Rick asks him to to keep an eye out. And uh, designer will sent in this call. Holy crap! Did you hear that? Rick told Father Gabe to keep an eye on Jadis. It seems as though the irony was lost on both of them, though.
1: Yeah, I th- I thought for sure Rick would say no offense or sorry about that or something.
0: <laughs> keep an eye on her. Oh no offense. <laughs> uh, that that one. Use that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't use that one. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not gonna. Don't let her stand on this side of you, because I don't know if that's going to work as well. Um, make sure she's over there.
1: <laughs> well, you know, his sensitivity on, uh, you know, one-eyed people uh, is up because of Carl, right? Because Carl had his eye oh, yeah. lost. So uh, he, he knows. He, he, yeah, he did a good job of keeping a straight face, though. He really did, yeah. <laughs> they both were thinking it. Like, they must
0: have been. They must have been. You don't use, you don't say keep an eye out without... To to a person with one eye without sort of snickering, you know, behind their back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: All right. Um, Alden asks Rick if a few saviors can maybe have some weapons because it'll make them feel safer. Give us some guns and we promise we won't shoot anyone, but we'll at least feel safer about what we're doing and where we are. Uh, Maggie comes up and says no guns for anybody, but Rick wants to really figure out who killed Justin first And then he'll think about it. So he's kind of open to the idea. But of course, Maggie protests and Rick insists to her that it was her deal that made most of the workforce here saviors.
1: So they have to treat them well and protect them. Right. And at least that kind of conversation with somebody from the saviors in attendance would have made them feel a little bit better. Well, Alden
0: was there. Or maybe he'd already, maybe he'd already disappeared at this point, but you're right. Somebody other than him, probably.
1: Yeah. Tag along. We'll figure this out together. Right. Well, they're not doing that.
0: Rick is just sort of saying, I can make this work. I can protect them and they're not buying in. Right. And I don't blame them. Yeah. So we go back to Father Gabe. He finds Anne in some kind of a food tent, I guess. She, of course, reiterates that she didn't do anything. And he reveals to her that he lied to Rick about being with her all night. And he wants to know if she saw anything while she was alone, maybe up in the cherry picker thing. Yep. And she answers him with another question. Do you think I'm hiding something? So oh, the
1: answer like this, that, like that? Yes, yes, I do.
0: <laughs> yeah. You didn't actually say no. You just asked me another question. So that's yeah, a little that, mysterious. That's ev-
1: what you did right there, that's an evasion. You just evaded the 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 answer, so uh, yes. Yes, I think you're hiding something from me. I think you might be. That's right. I got my eye on you. Yep.
0: Um, so then she walks off, and we cut back over to Rick. He goes to Daryl to ask him if he killed Justin, and he explains that the wound looked like an arrow or a bolt. You know, it was a nice, clean puncture wound. Uh, Daryl says that if he'd killed him, he would have done it in plain sight because he doesn't care. He, he's going to kill whoever he wants to kill. And he kind of talks about bringing the fact that they brought them all together was the wrong decisions. He questions why the saviors get this future as in Rick's future when all the people that they lost don't like Glenn, Abe, Sasha, them, right? Why are we being so nice to these saviors when they were so awful to us and to everyone else they encountered? Um, but Rick tells him that killing each other is not the way we do things anymore. And he basically asks Daryl just to try to demonstrate to people that they can make it work, um, to move past what happened, focus on what can be done. And he reminds Daryl that he didn't kill the guy who left his brother to die on a rooftop way back in season one. That's right. So try to take that attitude moving forward.
1: Or he just reminded them of why he would want to kill you in the future. Maybe. I don't know. He, I mean... He's angry now. It's like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about that. I should get back Well, get back at you for that. Yeah, but
0: Rick was saying, you know, not killing T-Dog was the right decision. It is T-Dog, right? T-Dog, no, the guy on the roof, that was his brother Merle. T-Dog left Merle up there to die, though. Oh, right. Because yeah. remember, he lost the the key to the handcuffs, and he was stuck handcuffed to the pipe. and That's why he had to cut his hand off. Uh, so yeah, so Daryl was upset about that. Didn't kill T-Dog and D- Rick saying that was the right thing to do. You didn't kill that guy. And here we are now, we're trying to make a better future and not killing people is the right way to do it.
1: Do you think that that kind of argument that, uh, that kind of reasoning would work on anybody? You uh, didn't kill him, so why would you kill anybody else? It's like, well, you know, Merle was alive and then he died and he was a bit of a shithead anyway. Uh, I like Glenn, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, and these people participated in the killing of somebody I like, so I'm going to like killing them. Sure. And, and
0: I mean, Rick is kind of saying you can't do an eye for an eye, but Daryl, I can see being a bit of an eye for an eye kind of guy. That's right. <laughs> um, I spy with my eye for an eye, that kind of guy. Uh, but but at the same time, I you know you if you're going to work towards a uh, a good future and a proper society, I mean, not killing people is generally the right way to go. So yeah, you know, Rick is not wrong here.
1: That kind of uh, revenge is uh, you know would make them as bad as the saviors. It's like we're no we're better than them. You know, sure they killed uh, they killed a bunch of people, but. We're not those people. We fought against those people. Let's, you know, fight against
0: those ideals as well. And not become them, exactly. Uh, We'll probably have more to say on that as this episode wraps up. All right, after a commercial break, we come back and we now have pairs of people checking the grid. So they're out amongst, they're out, I mean, in the area, checking the grid. What does that mean? Like sectors of, of, that they've defined as a grid, Jason?
1: Well, maps are gridded out, right? Like, yeah. Any okay. map you can find letters along the top or and numbers along the side, and you go. I'm in grid number, grid reference A47, and you know exactly where you are within a kilometer. Sure, like, you know the topographical map- maps we have in Canada. The one of the uh, the scales that they have, each grid is exactly a square kilometer. There you go. So it uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense that they're. uh, They're working the grid. Everybody gets their own grid reference number, and uh, they go out and walk that square kilometer and see what's there. Very good. Well, that's what they're doing. Everything for now is clear.
0: We are with Maggie and Cindy at first, and they end up seeing a couple of zombies, and they follow them to a nearby house. The zombies are attracted to a piece of the roof that's flapping around, making noise. So they decide that they have to stop this piece of roof from flapping around. So they successfully deal with the zombies outside. There's five or six of them crowding around. Um, but as Cindy is walking along the porch, the the wood breaks. She kind of falls through. Just at that moment, a bunch of zombies come crashing through the boarded up front
1: door. So she's in trouble. They must have gotten excited because they've been probably banging at that uh, the, the boards on the door for a long time. And they haven't been able to get through them. Until just this very second, so they must have but,
0: been excited or repeated stress on the door.
1: Yeah, and it's just a horrendous coincidence that that the door breaks at the exact same time that the uh, the board uh, breaks where she she goes through uh, the deck. Yeah. So I think maybe when she went through the deck, the zombies went, "Oh, something's actually out there now!" and they all got excited and surged mm-hmm. uh, and and broke the uh, and that was enough to break the the wood that they've been banging at for. Couple of years?
0: Who knows? Who as long as that? I mean, it might not have been that long. Who knows how long that thing was flapping around? But
1: well, it depends. If it was nailed, it probably wouldn't take that long. If it was screwed, that's a little bit better. Nails are good at shear, you know, protecting you against shear stuff. But they don't, uh, you know, if you put a nail in a board and then you grab the board and pull it off, it just mm. comes right off. Right, right. So if it was nailed, there's no way that these uh, that it would last would have lasted this long. Sure. Uh, so they probably were had to be screwed in. Well, a lot of the boards
0: broke, so the wood had rotted or whatever, and I guess yeah, they okay. came... Yeah, so
1: not, the nails didn't give way. They were grew, uh, screwed and glued. Right, Put a little right. bit of wood
0: glue on there, screw
1: it in, that sucker's strong.
0: That is that is going to be very strong. Either way, they come crashing out at that moment. Cindy's in trouble. Uh, Maggie runs up, tries to fight them off, but um, uh, Rick and Daryl and Rosita show up just in time to... to uh, help them and kill some of those zombies and basically rescue them. Once the situation is under control, they realize that Grid 5, who was also supposed to show up to meet them, has not appeared and they don't know why. Right. They go looking and they find B, another one of the Oceansiders knocked out in the woods and not dead, just knocked out and she says something hit her from behind and doesn't know where Arat is now. Oh. Yes, she's gone missing. Uh, Back at the camp in the woods, we've got Rick, Maggie, Carol, Jerry, and Cindy talking about how they have to find her, Arat, or they'll lose the saviors because this is now another former savior who has gone missing. And obviously this is going to be a big problem. And Jerry who really kind of has the line of the season so far in terms of summarizing the theme says that if they find the perpetrator, what happens next? Is this a Gregory situation or a Negan situation? Right. And, uh, everyone kind of just looks at each other and Rick says to pair up, they go out and search until they find her. Basically they have all night. Because the saviors will think that she's just out on watch somewhere all night. But if she doesn't return in the morning, they're going to know something's up. Right. But is this a Gregory or a Negan? Are we going to hang whoever did this to Justin? Or are we going to put them in jail? Could go either way. you probably kill him. It's a, it's a huge question. And it's one of those things where you don't like it when a character sort of says the theme out loud like that. But I feel (laughs) I feel like this was a clever way of doing it. And if I was standing in that room with them, I might be thinking exactly the same thing. And to express it in that way, a Gregory or an Egan, and instead of just being super blunt about it and saying, we're going to hang this person or we're going to put them in jail? You know, I think it was a I think it was a fun way of doing it. And I I really enjoyed it. Yeah,
1: it was good. Good old good.
0: good old Jerry. Love that guy. So they've paired up and they've gone out to search for a rot. And we we first start following Rick and Carol. They're out there together and they're walking along through the forest talking about how the saviors have to want to make this work. You know, we can't force them to do it. They have to buy into the system. Um, And Rick then confesses that every day he wakes up and he has this feeling that he should have killed Negan. Maybe that would have just made things easier, Um, but he says that. Thinking about everybody they've lost is what prevents him from doing it. You have to build life, not take it. And every life counts
1: now. Yes.
0: Which sounds like something Morgan used to say. Um, but Rick is super on board with that. you
1: It's been years since Morgan left. So fuck him. Like this is, and you know, they're in a happier place now. So yeah, they're in a rebuilding society phase. Right. Right. And not just pure survival phase. Whereas when you're in a pure survival kind of mode, uh, everybody who's around you is competition for that survival because they're going to be taking resources that you could use in order to survive yourself. But now that they have enough resources, they got enough tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You know they got some. They got some tomatoes. They probably have some various other things. I don't know if they have any meat, but whatever. Uh, now they're in a okay. We have enough to survive. We're in a kind of safeish kind of place now. Uh, we need to rebuild society. So every life matters now. Absolutely. And before I mean,
0: yes, people are mouths to feed, and and you need clothing and shelter for them. But there are also people who can contribute in innumerable different ways right so yeah. we can't just be killing people we gotta we we have to integrate them into this world that we're trying to build so that's that uh maggie and daryl are together out there and she asks or he asks her if she agrees with this with rick's whole plan or is she just playing nice for rick and this was another conversation i really appreciated because it's, it's not black and white. You know, she says that she wants to see a future like him. And she admits that that kind of future would be better for her son, Herschel. Um, but at the same time, it's hard for her because of what Negan specifically did to her husband and to other people. Yeah. Right. So she, I I like how she acknowledged the fact that, you know, this is the right thing to do, but. And it may just not be the right thing for me right now. And that's very honest of her, I think. And I, I just think really good writing.
1: Yep. Oh, it's really well done.
0: Um, as they're walking along, though, they come across some bodies on the ground and a zombie. And uh, Maggie kills the zombie. And one of the bodies has an arrow in it. And Daryl says he knows who took a rot. Ah. Uh... So I'm, we'll get to it. But I'm a tiny bit confused here because this doesn't really come up again. He says, I know who took a rot. And then, yes, Daryl and Maggie are the ones who, you know, find them later on at the end of the episode. But he doesn't say who took her. Um, so does he really know? Or what was the point
1: of telling us that he knows that who did it? Well, because they had to go to where the next event was taking place and they had to get, uh, they had to get there somehow. So Daryl had to know by that arrow what was going on. But how did he know that's where they were? Was that clear? No, absolutely not. That's why I'm saying that the uh, it was a plot device and had nothing to do with character information. Like I have no idea why or how Daryl would know what he knew or where to go, but uh, he did conveniently, and they went there. Because I can see he sees that arrow, and he knows that
0: that's the thing that um, what's her name uses as a weapon, right? And he's like, "Okay, I know this. That's fine." But why was that important in the episode? It, maybe somehow it did lead them to where they were going. I know when they show, showed up at that spot where the sign fence was. Maggie yep. says this is where they used to live, so Maggie knew now too. I I guess so. Maybe that's how they knew where to go.
1: Well, Cindy said that they're when they were in grid uh, when they were doing their grid search. She said they're going towards a house like we used to live near here. Right. right, so right. that's one bit of information that uh, Cindy knows the area, uh, but that doesn't, you know, that that is not an indicator that Maggie now knows this
0: house. No, but it feels to me like maybe it would have made more sense for Maggie to, or for Daryl to pull the arrow out, and Maggie go, "Oh, I know whose arrow that is." And then you, you project back to her talking to Cindy going, we used to live near here. So Maggie's like, okay, it's them. We're going to go where they used to be because that's a good place to look. That's where they might be.
1: Yeah. They did not connect the dots.
0: No, I, I, unless we're missing something. So if we are, everyone, please, um, please, you know, fill us in. But I wasn't quite sure how that all came together.
1: That's like uh, putting like six dots on a piece of paper and you're going, oh, that's a lion. And then drawing a picture of a lion around it.
0: <laughs> right. That's how I feel about a lot of the constellations, to be honest
1: with you. <laughs> oh, well, yes, those are, that's absolutely true. That's more of an, um, yeah, that's that's a different thing. But like a connect the dots picture, it's almost as bad as uh, enough dots to be able to see the lion. Right. Going, well, that's, a, I wonder what this could be. And then connecting the dots for like 34 hours because there's 1,200 dots. And then eventually you get a picture of a lion. So I don't know what's worse. Right. Too many dots or just gotta kind of have the perfect amount of dots. And they did not have a perfect amount of dots for us to get from point A to point B.
0: Right. I, I agree with you there. But again, if we're, if we're morons, please let us know everyone. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that somebody will. All right. Because you know, our listeners are awesome. They certainly are. Michael from London writes in and says, holy crap. I know Daryl is cool. But did Maggie need to copy his hairstyle? It's like they've started their own (laughs) 90s grunge tribute act. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Daryl's got the long, shaggy black hair. Maggie, her hair is dark, um, definitely a little more feminine than Daryl's, but it's a little bit shaggy and similar length, I would say, a little longer. Uh, But it never occurred to me that they have
1: the same hairstyle, but hey. Yeah, that's how TV tells you when people are agreeing with each other. They look the same. They've got the same color clothes on. Their hairstyles are the sim- are similar. Uh, you know, if they are opposed to each other, somebody will be wearing white. Somebody else will be wearing black. Somebody's hair will be up. Somebody's hair will be down. Somebody will be wearing a hat. Somebody else will not be. But if they look similar, you know they agree with each other at the moment. Well, that, that works. That plays in this episode
0: because these two characters definitely agree with each other. Yep. Okay, well, there you go. So with the hairstyle means they're in concordance. That's concordance? Is that a word? I don't know. It sounds like a word. It's a really good one. If, either way, either right. way, it's a word or not. I like it. All right. Uh, we come back from our commercial break and we are with Anne, surprisingly, back at the junkyard at night. Oh, yeah. This I did not see coming. I didn't expect them to ever go back there. Really? I expected them to go back there. There's a
1: helipad at the junkyard that they have yet to account for.
0: I know, but to me, I felt like the junkyard was probably a big set they built for the last couple of seasons. And when it was done, it was done. I didn't expect it to continue to exist, to be honest. So I'm like, Anne has been a member of this new group as Anne, not as Jadis, for a year and a half now. They're not going back to the junkyard, but here we are. That's true. You know, I was just surprised.
1: From a logistics point
0: of view, this is a big deal. I thought so. So she's there at night. She's looking around with a flashlight. She finds a metal box buried in some trash, opens it, takes out a walkie-talkie, turns it on, and radios somebody involved with the helicopters and introduces herself on the radio as Jadis.
1: Yeah. Have you ever turned on a walkie-talkie after it's been sitting for a year and a half? Off or on or whatever? Nope. Have you ever turned on a piece of... attempted to turn on a piece of electronics that's been sitting for a year and a half.
0: Yes. Has the battery worked? Not usually.
1: (laughs) No. It's one fucked up awesome battery that's in that fancy walkie-talkie. Or she goes back every uh, couple of weeks to recharge this thing or to swap the batteries out. Somehow. Maybe
0: she does. Maybe she does. Uh, I don't know. But she introduces herself as Jadis. A man's voice comes on the other end and asks if she has an A... Or a bee. Hmm. And Anne um Anne wants to know. Here's here's something else about this episode I didn't quite get. Anne wants to know if they took them, is what she asks the guy on the radio. And does she mean a Rod?
1: Because She means the missing saviors, yeah. Okay, but does she know a rot is missing at this point? She knows there's some saviors missing. Okay, that's that's fair. Um or does she just
0: know that Jada's, uh that Justin was killed?
1: She I, knows that Justin was killed, but there's been there's missing saviors. Okay, like, there's everybody other... knows that. There's there's people that are missing.
0: Okay, fair enough. You're right. I was focusing mostly on Arat and um I'm not sure she knows at this point that Arat specifically is missing, but you're right. She does know the other saviors are missing. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh the voice says they haven't picked anybody up, um but their deal still stands, which we don't really know much about yet uh-huh and um Jada says it's just her uh but the voice says they want an a tomorrow they want okay it, they want i'll it.
1: draw you a nice I'll draw you the best a you need Whatever
0: right you need I'll draw it be ready for you tomorrow. Now, suddenly, Father Gabriel shows up. Of course, he was following her. He wants to know who she's talking to, and she says she's done some bad things. He presses her for more information, and she reveals that she was trading people for supplies.
1: Yeah, and that is what the helipad was for.
0: The helicopter would come land, take some people away, and
1: drop off supplies. Finally, after years... Of not knowing what that helipad was for, we finally get an answer. Uh, yes, that's true. Now we know. I'm um, excited.
0: It has opened up a lot of other questions, though. Who oh, yeah. are these people in, you know, with the helicopter? Where are they from? In my mind, I'm like, are they related to Georgie and wherever she lives? Because it feels like they have a established society which might have helicopters. But Georgie didn't strike me as the type of person who would be, you know, engaged
1: in human trafficking. So I don't know. All I can assume is that these people are Muppets from Sesame street. who are looking (laughs) for a letter a, I guess so. Or a letter B. That's right. A or B. Um, but she admits to trading people
0: for supplies and she says to Gabe that, you know, you're the only person that stood up for me here since I've kind of joined Rick and the gang. And, um, he can't tell anyone, and but she wants him to help her with a small part of the deal. So I, I guess she's asking him to not say anything and to see if we can find someone that we can provide to the helicopter people. Uh huh. Wow. Now he declines and says that he has to tell Rick. I have to tell Rick what's going on here. I can't. Right. I can't continue to lie to my best friend Rick. And she says to him all this time. I thought you were a bee and knocks him out. Yeah. So this is this is this is all very strange and has opened up a lot of questions. Um she says that, you know, we can we can go we can go away to a place far from here if you help me out with this part of the deal. And he declines and says I have to tell Rick. And and she says i thought you were a b and knocks him out implying that he is an a right so uh, i i think she's yeah. saying i thought you were a b as in a you know a secondary level character <laughs> or maybe maybe a person that's not worth as many supplies as a people a people are the strong ones the leaders the capable ones right and she so the so, she
1: needs to trade an a for uh her part of the deal right she needs to trade an a
0: and she wouldn't have traded father gabe because i thought you were a b and she knocks him out so it sounds like what she's saying is i thought you were a b but you're an a but then i started thinking he declined her offer said i'm gonna rat you out and that's what makes him an a
1: he has uh He's got some balls now. He's got scruples. He's got morals. He's got scruples. He was, uh, he was just following along, doing stuff that other people said for him. He didn't have a mind of his own, but it turns out he's got a mind of his own. So he's an A. Okay. That, that
0: might be it. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, if, if that's what it takes to be an A personality, then maybe, maybe that's what it is. A for alpha. Yeah.
1: Alpha, beta. I don't know. I don't know what A or B means.
0: Interesting though. I mean, I guess the idea is now, I mean, she knocked him out. She hit him with a rock. So I think her whole idea now is you're my A, you're going to the helicopter people and that fulfills my deal with them or something like that. I don't know. Very, very interesting. Um, I'm curious to find out what goes, you know, where this, where this ends up. So we go back to Rick and Carol. They're in the woods. They hear a walker or what they think is a walker. They go to investigate. Turns out it's an ambush by Jed and DJ another one of the saviors that's been hanging around. His name's DJ. Uh, Jed gets Carol at knife point. Rick, of course, has his gun out pointed at Jed. Um, They have a conversation here. Rick accuses him of killing the other saviors, but Jed says, no, I just want some guns. I just want some of our guns back so we can be safe. Um, Turns out Carol has a knife up her sleeve. And once Rick lowers his gun, Jed kind of loosens his grip a bit which allows carol to spin around stab jed and rick and carol now get the better of both of them both of them
1: yeah so apparently jed has never met carol no she's <laughs> just full of uh pocket lint and knives right she's she's, just, she's gonna have she has a machine gun up her sleeve and a couple of knives i bet yeah we've seen this we have we've seen knives and and they he left an arm free her right arm. She's right-handed and he didn't even try and control her arms. So, he's uh, I'm surpri- surprised surprised didn't get a knife in the balls, uh, frankly. Or the leg as, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, because it was right there, right? You know, stab him in the, you know, in the in the, in the vitals as they call in various role-playing games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stab him in the vitals, he's going to go down. He's probably going to forget about the knife in his hand. It's like it's going to be just like this uh, you know his body's going to just reject everything in reality except for what's going on right in your vitals. Oh, well. It's just like everything else is just going to go blank. He's going to fall down.
0: I'm uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I would have trouble thinking about anything
1: else if someone stabbed me in the balls. Oh my god. Yeah, you you know your whole world just kind of f- shrinks and focuses on a, a single laser-fine point at that point. <laughs> Even more than
0: it already does normally.
1: Yeah, normally, you know, everything outside of that is just kind of fuzzy and nebulous, but it just, it's not forgotten. (laughs) Right. You know, but you know, you take a hard enough knock and, uh, or, you know, stabbage, uh, everything else just goes away. It really does. Um, But that's
0: not how it went down. Uh, Carol turns around, stabs him in the, in the chest, it looks like, or the shoulder. Yeah. and Right in the, that's like a, right right in the, the top of the lung. Well, I think it was well. I think it was a little more off center than that. I think she got him in sort of the pec, you know, pectoral muscle, maybe. But either way, I mean, stabbed in the chest is pretty bad. Um, and uh, did you and- see
1: when she got the knife out of her sleeve? It's a it's a folding knife. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't folded, so either it was up her sleeve, unfolded, mm-hmm. or she managed to unfold it before it got to her hand. So this is quite the thing. This is
0: like superhero level of of hidden knife work I think and I totally believe it it's Carol for Christ's sake.
1: Yeah, I, I I'd like to think of her as a combination of the Joker and Wolverine. And my god, that's
0: like unstoppable.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be the end of the world.
0: It might it might be, yeah. Uh we go to a commercial break and when we come back we are Back at the street sign fence that we saw at the beginning, this time Maggie and Daryl walk over it. So we've already talked about how they knew to go here. Um, And they first find the missing ethanol, the the shipment that never arrived at Hilltop, mentioned uh, back in the first episode of season nine. Handy. And then they find Cindy and the other Oceansiders with a gun to Arat's head. And they are telling her to beg like she made the others beg. And the whole episode has kind of been leading up to this, to be uh-huh. to be honest. Um, this is a massive reveal. So we now know who's been taking the saviors um, and we know what they've been doing to them. And it turns out that, uh, you know, it's the Oceansiders getting revenge for their slaughter of the Oceanside men. And it sounds like some other people in the original community.
1: Oh, I get it now. She, uh, what's her name? Has a spear gun and the, the bolt was a spear gun bolt. Right. And they handed her the spear gun early in, earlier in the episode when she was knocked out from behind. Oh,
0: okay. But so, so that's why Daryl knows who it is.
1: Yeah. But
0: they don't know where to
1: go. So no, that's Maggie's piece of the puzzle. Right. Right. They had to work together as a team because they got the same haircut. Oh, see, they're on the same page
0: with the same haircut. at all makes Sharing sense. Sharing
1: information, putting things together, they know where to go and who's doing what, and they get there just in time. Man, this—I'm
0: uh, telling you, this season, I—I I don't know if it's clear, but I thought this was another fantastic episode. They're—they're they're, pretty good. They're three for three on this season, and it's stuff like this that it's making it really good. They have figured out this story. Um, but let's finish the recap and then I have a couple more things to say about that. So okay. we find out that it's, it's the Oceansiders have been taking the saviors, getting revenge for their slaughter of their men and so on, which we know from last season. Um, turns out a rot was a big part of that slaughter. Cindy says that it was also Simon. It was Simon and his crew sort of that, that, that did this and, Now, Maggie and Daryl have walked up. Maggie initially tries to talk Cindy out of it because she says people will find out this is not going to end well. But she says that, you know, this is the last one. So this is where it ends for us. And she also says that Maggie hanging Gregory is what showed them that they could could do this.
1: Dun,
0: dun, dun. oh I think that's I think that's just brilliant to be honest with you, so Arat's there she's begging for his life, she's saying she's one of them now, you know you don't have to do this um Cindy starts talking about her brother, who was killed. he was only eleven years old. Arat killed him um at the time Cindy begged for her brother's life, but Arat said no exceptions and killed yep. him anyways like it's so brutal after hearing all of this, you know, Maggie and Daryl have the opportunity to kind of stop this situation or at least attempt to stop the situation, but they turn and they walk away. And in the background, we see Cindy killer Yep. It's amazing.
1: That was, that was pretty cool. That <laughs> right? was pretty cool that they just, I, I, you know, in that moment, I agreed with Maggie and Daryl as well. It's hard not to, it's really the hard not killed to. killed an 11 year old boy yep. and was laughing about it. And, uh, yeah, she deserved to die. And you completely understand
0: where Maggie and Daryl are coming from here. You know, they they're not on board with this whole plan. And and this is just sort of reinforcing it for them, you know? Absolutely. But to, to see them, you see the realization on their faces. They kind of look at each other. And I think Maggie turns first and Daryl just follows her. But, but you know, they're they both totally agree that we got to just let this happen. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. It was really good. Um, Adam in Texas writes, holy crap, they killed a rat. So this. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the one character who I thought got off too easy when everything went down. I remember she killed Olivia without hesitation. As idealistic as Rick's plan is, there are some saviors who probably need to be held accountable for the things they did. And uh, a rat is one of them. And apparently she's the last one, so.
1: And Negan? Does Negan have to be held accountable for his actions?
0: Well, maybe. Negan was their leader. Um, back at the camp, really quickly, we see the saviors leaving. Uh, I guess because Arat didn't come back in the morning, they've packed up and they're they're heading out. Rick is standing there watching them go. And one of them steps on and crushes a tomato on the way out. So, nice booking.
1: There's your tomatoes. There's so many tomatoes in this episode.
0: Well, we started with a nice, healthy, uh, beautiful looking tomato that that Rick gave to his son. And then Jed steals one in the middle of the episode and eats it. And now we get tomatoes smashed on the ground. It's all falling apart for Rick.
1: Yes. Uh, You know, when when you uh, crush a couple of tomatoes, what do you make? Ketchup. Tomato aid. Oh, tomato aid. Yeah. yeah, it's like lemons. You know, squeeze a few lemons, you get some lemonade. Squeeze a few tomatoes, you get tomato aid. Mmm, delicious. Mmm. Just
0: before the end, we get back to Maggie and Daryl. They are now, it's daytime. It's the morning. They're back on the road. Daryl's carrying some of the tanks of ethanol. Maggie's carrying nothing. I <laughs> think she could help out.
1: She's carrying uh, her... She's got a knife in her hand, right? She Well, she's got... She's got a knife on her, but she's carrying the weight of leadership on her shoulders. And that's, uh, that's quite the, uh, the, quite the burden
0: that really is. She says to Daryl that they've given Rick's way a chance, but now it's time to see Negan and they walk off together down the road and that's the end of the episode. So I think, uh, what were you saying about Negan? Does he have to pay the price? Pretty yep. sure Maggie and now Daryl think that he does.
1: Yeah, I mean killing Gregory has paved the way for everybody to do whatever the hell they feel like doing. Well, as far as killing saviors. Totally. So so I think you
0: did you you like this episode? You're on board? I did. I liked this episode. I'm on board. It was great. I thought I thought it had an amazing awesome spectacular ending. Uh, not just, you know, the scene with the ocean siders and killing Arat, but but the way Maggie and Daryl walk off down that road and what she says about seeing Negan, it was so like foreboding in a way. Um, but also you completely understand where she's coming from. Um, and I just think it was phenomenal. I think season nine has been amazing so far. I'm so happy that, that we've, that it's, the show is this good, you know,
1: for it three episodes. I really like the imagery now that I think about it of our two intrepid heroes at the end, walking off into the sunrise. You know, when, when you have somebody walking off into the sunset, they're leaving. Their job is done. Things are, you know, they're a mystery. They're going off to some, do something else. But when you have a couple of people walking into the sunrise, it's a beginning. It's yeah. something that's going to happen soon. So uh, I like that, that imagery.
0: You know, I didn't really think of it like that, but it's a fantastic way of putting it. I, You know, you don't see a lot of walks off into the sunrise, the beginning of no, something. No, you don't. That- Amazing. So good. Congratulations, Walking Dead writers and everybody. You are doing an amazing job this time. Good work. Now, how do you feel about this sort of self-contained little mystery we had here with where the Savior's going? Who's taking them? What's happening to them? Um, I thought they did, again, a really great job with it. They, They set up this mystery. They pay it off at the end. They completely explain what's going on. But throughout the episode, I thought they did a really amazing job of making it feel a little bit mysterious, like what's going on here. You don't really know Uh, a little bit scary because a lot of stuff happens at night and there's ambushes. And, you know, again, in the last episode, we had Justin suddenly like yanked aside and it was a little bit of a cliffhanger Um, and it was really fun. It was a fun little mystery that didn't drag on. Forever and was super entertaining. I thought
1: I agree, and I uh, and, you know we we've talked about this in the in the past where uh, we talked about having a twist ending and the twist twist ending to whatever TV show or movies. In order to have a good twist ending, you need to have all of the information to have been able to figure it out uh, yourself, but don't. Mm-hmm. And I I feel that way about this mystery. Yeah, all the information we had. To know exactly what's going on here and the motivations behind it was all there. It was all there before this season started. Yes. And I still didn't figure it out until that moment. And as soon as I saw the, uh, the Oceanside people, I'm like, oh shit, that makes perfect sense. Totally. what's going on. And it just, everything just kind of falls into place and like everything we knew, I thought it was, you know, uh, it was other saviors that were doing this right? Oh, like sabotaging uh, themselves almost. Yeah. I had no idea. That's what I thought was going on, but I had no idea that this was the plot behind our little murder mystery situation here. And it makes perfect sense. And it was really well done. And uh, I applaud them for that. Totally. And the way they've, they've
0: given us new information or shown us new things in this season, right? It ties back to previous seasons, of course. Um, But having the fact that Gregory gets hung in the first episode, and that is kind of what sparks all of this. You know, Cindy's like, you hung you hung Gregory, so that's the kind of justice we are going for here. So we're going to get our own justice on the people that wronged us. In, yeah. in, in, a, in arguably a way worse way than anything Gregory ever did to Maggie. I mean, he did some bad stuff. I'm not trying to say he didn't.
1: Yeah, we didn't murder half your
0: families. No. Right? That's right. I mean, he... He was he committed conspiracy to commit murder. The Saviors and Simon actually slaughtered a bunch of people. So, yeah. um, and continued to do that.
1: So and and showed them that they could they didn't have to follow Rick's way. Mm-hmm. Right there was there was another way to do things. And Maggie did this, and they didn't strike her down. She didn't get struck down by lightning. She didn't get uh, beat up by Rick. She didn't get deposed. Anything like that. It's possible to do something. That is not Rick's way, and it's fine.
0: And still, kind of move on with Rick's plan,
1: if you know what I yeah. mean, right? The the Oceanside people and going after this, and doing this vengeance against uh, the people that wronged them from the Saviors, is way more acceptable to me than what Maggie did to Gregory. You know, we've talked ad nauseum about what Maggie did to Gregory and what that makes her. But uh, the uh, the Oceanside people, uh, I perfectly agree with them. Right. Like, I think under these circumstances, I thought they were perfectly justified in killing a rat. Sure. And, you know,
0: I, I started thinking about this whole story a little bit more, and I realized that they have managed the writers here have managed to come up with this storyline that is extremely satisfying, really compelling. And do you know what the one thing that it doesn't have? That is an external threat, an external bad guy.
1: Oh yeah. I remember thinking that as well, right at as soon as I saw Maggie and uh, Daryl walking off into the sunrise, when I first saw the episode, I'm like, There's no external threat here. It's all, this is all happening from within. It is.
0: And that's, that's kind of new for the walking dead. Sure. There's been internal, you know, disagreements and stuff like that before, but there's usually a bad guy. There's usually an external bad guy, the governor or, or the, uh, terminus people or Negan, or even our characters in a way have been the external bad guy at, at times. Like when they showed up at Alexandria, And Rick wanted to take over and like teach all these people how to survive because they had just been lucky. He, in a way, became the external bad guy in that situation, right here. We don't have any of that. We suddenly have a really fantastic story, all built around what our communities are doing and how they're getting along and how they're not getting along. And this is just something else that makes this these first three episodes of season nine absolutely amazing for me.
1: And even the—we uh, do have an external force. We have the helicopter people, but they're not the bad guys in this situation. They haven't done anything. They've been around. We saw, we've seen the helicopter. They're within radio range, but they haven't taken anybody. No. They haven't done anything. It's Jadis—sorry, oh, Anne, who's, I guess, Jadis now. Like We call her Jadis now that she's being a bad guy again. Well, I uh, think she's still she- Anne. She's internal, uh-huh. but still, it's still kind of instigating the, uh, we're not really sure what's going on, but she's still the instigator of this situation. It's not the helicopter people. They're just around. Sure. And, uh, but Jadis is the, uh, the instigator.
0: I think that's, you know, that whole thing is a little bit external to, you know, what was going on with Rick's plan and the Oceanside stuff and the missing saviors and so on. To me, you're right. There's no... I mean, there's the external helicopter people. We don't know enough about them yet to call them bad guys. They might not even be villains, right? They just had a deal for whatever with Jadis at the junkyard.
1: I and think- we don't know that their, uh, their deal was uh, evil intent either, right? Like, we don't know that they were taking these people in order to make them into food. like that. That is one possibility that they were exchanging people for food. But if we're, you know, the discussion we had about alpha, beta, or A and B people, A people being, uh, you know, a cut above Uh uh, and worth more, let's say, uh, they might be taking these people to integrate them into their society because they need more people. And by getting A people, they're getting the good people. The people that are capable, the people that are skilled. It's not inherently evil to classify people
0: as, you know, you're a doctor, so you're worth more than
1: the, I don't know, somebody else. It is inherently evil to say that somebody is worth more than somebody else and then trafficking in those people based on those values. Let's just clear that up. Okay. You know what I mean, (laughs) though, right? I do know what you mean. I don't think that they're necessarily being slaves or food. But, uh, I don't think that, uh, yeah, I don't think that, but it's still, you know, tr- you know, human trafficking is not good. Uh, no, of course regardless not. Regardless of the intent. Uh, of course,
0: that's, that's true. But I just saying, we, we don't know enough about what's going on there really to
1: categorize anybody in that, in that scenario yeah. too much. Um, but and- they do have power. Like, as in, uh, they have, uh, the ability to do things because they have a helicopter years after the zombie apocalypse has started. Mm-hmm. Helicopter fuel uh, probably isn't easy to come by. No, they definitely have some resources. That's for sure. Right. It's not like you can tow a helicopter in the sky with uh, flying reindeer. Did they go up north and get Santa's reindeer and they're, <laughs> they're those are towing the helicopters around? No, it's not that's, like that's a really good idea, by the
0: way. You can't you can't roll start a helicopter like you can a a manual transmission car.
1: <laughs> Wait, I saw that. Where did I see that? Somebody pushed a helicopter off a building in order to get it going.
0: Oh, there is a technique for when a helicopter loses power for not just plummeting straight to the earth. And I, I don't remember what it's called, but you sort of dip the helicopter up and down by tilting it somehow and it can keep the rotors moving just enough.
1: Yeah. When the engine dies, the rotors don't stop. like They don't seize no. in order to give you, it uh, it cushions it a little bit, but you have to have a certain amount of altitude or a certain amount of speed or a combination of both in order to have a safe landing. If you're too low or too slow, you crash. Well, n- and no doubt you have to be an extremely skilled
0: helicopter pilot, probably in any case. Well, it's part of the training. Sure. To deal with this. This
1: is, this is part of the design of the helicopter and part of the training for helicopter pilots. It's not a great situation to be in, but you're taught, you know, don't stop the blades because then you're basically a, a rock in the air that's just going to fall to the ground. Right. And that's not good. Not good. Use that to try and come down and hover, not hover, but glide to a landing. yeah. Yeah. What
0: I wanted to say though about Jadis and the helicopter stuff, one last thing really is that I think most of that though what they're doing there is just seeding in this storyline to the show, sort of as preparation for something that is to come later. Um, it better
1: come soon. I mean, she whacked her boyfriend in the head with a rock.
0: Oh yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna learn more about that. But you know, we all know Rick Grimes is or Andrew Lincoln is leaving the show. So sometime soon, Rick is going to be off and you have to feel like that's kind of going to wrap up the Rick's way or the highway, um, storyline. Right. To a degree. I mean, maybe someone else will pick up the the let's create a new world kind of idea, uh, because lots of people are on board with it, but, I think the helicopter stuff and Jadis's relationship with them and whatever is going to happen with Father Gabe, I feel like is kind of setting, setting just the setup for what, you know, storylines that might come a little bit later. I don't know for sure, because there's some other stuff that we know is coming to the show because of the comics and because of some, some things in the trailer. I'm not going to bring it up here because it would be rather spoilery, but. Um, so I, in my own mind, I don't know how all this is going to fit together yet, but I'm, I'm just so excited to find out because of how good it's been. Um, but, but really, I think right now we're focusing on the internal struggle of doing things Rick's way versus what Maggie and Daryl want and Negan and stuff like that. And once that wraps up, which may or may not coincide with when Andrew Lincoln's off the show, then we're going to delve into all these other new things in more detail. So I can, I can get on board with that. So that's just kind of how I feel like they're going with the season. Uh, But whatever, I just think it's been so good so far. um, And I'm, I'm very excited about that. Cool. All right. Well, there you go. Three for three on season nine. It's been awesome. And uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast, I guess, because we incorporated the holy craps into the recap and I kind of liked it. We'll see. I'm I, I, I'm on board. I like it. I might do it again uh, next week, and just I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: make you do it again next week. All right, good. Hold a hold a gun to my head, and say, oh, I wouldn't do that. Do it. Do it again. That seems kind of you know. I'd have to come all the way to your house. Well, by gun I mean banana. You know, hold a banana to my head. That's that'd get me yeah. to do anything. All right, I'll talk to you about putting a banana near you somewhere. <laughs> I don't want to threaten you, and I don't want to you know have to come all the way to your house to hold a banana to your head because that just seems. Excessive. I mean, it seems funny.
0: It is the funniest fruit, but anyways.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: All right. So listen, everyone. Thursday night is a gong show for us because Jason's traveling back from Kentucky and he doesn't get home till late. And coincidentally, I have an event that evening that I cannot miss. So this means that our feedback show will be Friday night this week. Sorry for the change, but... Um, it's just the way it is. So it means you also have an extra day to send us more feedback. If you'd like to respond to anything you heard here on the podcast today, or just about the episode in general. So please, please, please get all that in and then expect the, the feedback show sometime probably late in the evening on Friday.
1: Yeah. And I'll have more time to uh, calm down, uh, from, uh, winning the, uh, the mega millions. Because uh, now that I'm in the states, I'm working with a bunch of people that live in the states. We all pulled up to uh, to buy a bunch of Mega Millions uh, tickets, or I'm not even sure if, how how it works or anything like that. But I'm uh, I'm I'm part owner in this venture that we have, uh, and the jackpot's up to 1.6 billion dollars. 1.6 billion. That's that's I mean, more money. In, Canada, in, in Ontario, the uh, the big jackpot caps out at 50 million. I mean, the that's one, where it stops. 1.6 billion is more money than
0: I can even imagine exists in the world. <laughs> yeah. But, I
1: mean, you know, Uncle Sam's, Sam's going to take his portion and Canada revenue is going to take the rest of it. And I'll have the original 20 bucks that I uh, put into the, into the, uh, the venture to begin with. But uh, at least I'll have gotten my money back. Hey man, it's, it's still going to be exciting to win, right? Yeah. So yeah, if uh, now that our podcast's on Friday, I'll have an extra day to, uh, cause Thursday'd be too soon. If I found out tomorrow that I won the, uh, you know, my portion being $40 million U.S., uh, I'd be pretty excited. So I don't know if I'd be able to talk. Fair what enough. What are you doing on a Friday? gives me the, uh, extra day to, uh, to learn how to speak again. Well,
0: listen, all I ask is that if you win this $1.6 billion or whatever your share of it is, uh, and you quit your job, I'm all on board with that, but just don't quit the podcast.
1: Well, I would never quit the podcast. I mean, fund the podcast for the rest of your life, but. Yeah. Well, we've already, we've talked about this, that if either one of us gets uh, super rich for any reason, the other one's going to get a job uh, being a full-time podcaster. Exactly. Exactly. If I get
0: super rich, I'm going to pay you to be a full-time podcaster and vice versa.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's a good idea. And mainly the reason I bought into this uh, uh, Mega Millions thing was that uh, if everybody else on this project won their Share of one point six billion dollars. I'd end up going into work tomorrow and be the, being the only one there, and I'd have to finish the whole thing myself. <laughs> right,
0: got it. Okay, <laughs> makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, all that is to you know said so that because the podcast for f- the feedback show this week blah, is coming on Friday, not Thursday. Yeah, Friday. um yeah. But we will be doing it. So, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime to send in some feedback. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com, click on Send Voicemail at the top to record a message. You can also use the Voice Memos app on your phone if you have one of those, record that and send it to us. Uh, You can do that and then email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingDead, but like I keep saying, I don't check that that much because it's so confusing with AMC's show. And our Facebook page is a much better place, though, Facebook.com slash the talking that there is a the in that one Mm -hmm. um if you happen to be an itunes user uh why don't you leave us a review on itunes it's a great way to help other people find the show five star you might as well it's the easiest thing to do is click five stars so you might as well just click five stars and it also raises our profile a little bit with apple and with itunes and you know around this time of year when the show is on they like to feature noteworthy shows and a few more reviews Help us become noteworthy. Yeah. And then one more thing. A few weeks ago, finally, I was able to get us on Spotify. So Ah. you can now find this very podcast on Spotify if that's the way you like to listen to podcasts. So just load up the Spotify app, click on I guess, podcasts, and then you can search for us. So we are there. I'm very happy about that. It's just one more way for you to listen if that is your thing. And uh, Spotify was very exclusive about the shows that they had on there for a long time, but we are now there. So check it out if you want to. And then speaking of Spotify, just in case I haven't done it too much lately, but every time I use some music on the show, I add it to a playlist on Spotify called The Talking Dead and that playlist contains every song we've ever played on this podcast. Wow. Uh so if you I know there wasn't any tonight, but if you do like the music <laughs> you've heard, uh it's all there and it's all just stuff that I like or I think is thematically appropriate or whatever. So check that out too if you want to. That's funny. Really? I don't think it's funny. I think it's awesome. What?
1: What is awesome? I mean, having all, all that music on there, but it's like there was not the, there was no music tonight. But well, you know, I thought I'm, that was funny. I am hey man,
0: I'm anything if not inconsistent, so <laughs> or whatever. So uh, you know, no. You're music. not even consistent in that. No, no music tonight, but maybe next week there will be, and uh, that's that. So, anyways, mm-hmm. those are all the way to ways to contact us. Um, one more time, send your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And we will be doing the feedback show on Friday. So that's enough talking for now. I hope you guys enjoyed The Walking Dead as much as we did this week. So until Friday, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.